Hello everyone and welcome to Dairy Pot. I'm Rory McDonald from the Dairy Australia farm team. For today's episode, it's great to be able to share a positive story of a farming couple who have not only met their dairy career goals, but actually exceeded them ahead of schedule. Bruce Manenfeld and Fiona Baker bought their farm eight years ago, setting themselves the ambitious goal of paying it off within a decade. Through hard work and good management and decision making, the couple is already debt free and looking forward to the next challenge in dairy farming. Farming near Merbu North in Gippsland, Bruce and Fiona run a simple system that relies on homegrown feed and zero labour costs. Gipps Dairy's Extension Officer Donna Gibson caught up with the former Dairy Australia Focus farmers recently and started off by asking Bruce to share details of the farm setup. All up there's 200 hectares. We milk, or we use probably 180, 85 of that is effective. We milk off of around 130, 135. To be flexible because the lease block that we do lease currently is right next door, so we can um, milk off that at times when it suits. Um, we milk uh, last year, we milked sort of 330 odd cows, mostly uh, predominantly a Jersey herd, and all the young stock and everything are kept at home on my home or on the lease block, so yeah, yep. it's all right next door. Very good. Um, and the production, what do you get in sort of milk solids per cow per year? Um, typically. We get around four. The average is around four hundred kilos of milk solids per kilo out of a roughly four hundred kilo cow. Yep. So we're doing a kilo per kilo of live yep. weight. Yeah. Uh, calving pattern. Do you run a just a single? It's a spring calving. Tenth of July start for twelve weeks. It should all be done by the day we start joining in early October or late September. And um, do you keep just a twenty five percent, thirty percent of your? Um, yeah, hackers? roughly roughly twenty five percent replacements kept each year and everything else. That's it. We don't keep any for export or anything else. Nothing. There's been no heifers sold here for export ever. Very good. Uh, feeding system. So I would guess that you're predominantly a grazing system here, reliant on uh, ryegrass. Um, yes. We. Um, the aim is to do it on less than a ton of grain per cow per year and the rest of it is homegrown feed. There's very little hay bought in except for really bad seasons. We've done it a couple of times over 15 years. But typically it's all 100% homegrown pasture with a tonne of grain. Well, the aim is to be a tonne of grain. I think we've got it down to half a tonne and a bad year, so one and a half tonne. Okay, so let's talk about the reason for getting you guys together for the podcast and um, the fact that you guys have paid off your farm in eight years. I understand the goal was 10 years, but you've done it a bit quicker. So just before we get to that, I wanted to ask you about the decision to purchase a farm and how far into your dairy career you made that decision and how long it was from making the decision to actually purchasing a farm. Um, we went, we've been dairy farming now for 15 years, effectively half of that time's being share farming and half it now owning this place, roughly. Um, so yes, um, straight into a 50-50 share farm. Started at around the 250 and grew to nearly 300 cows while we were doing that. Um, and yeah, it's, I guess we, until we had the cash to be able to buy, it wasn't even an issue to, to think about it. Um, and then once we had the cash, it probably happened fairly quickly. Yeah, it got to the point basically that um, when we were share farming, we were making 
I guess, so much money in the end that it was, what are we going to do with this cash? Do we invest it in the bank? Do we invest in off-farm income? Uh, not off-farm income, but off-farm investments, so housing or something like that in town? Or do we actually go and buy our own farm? And, and Bruce being a type 1 diabetic, I came up with a rule that if he wanted to buy his own farm, that he needed to do it by the age of 40 so that we could actually have it paid off in time just in case health issues caught up with him as they often do with um, type 1 diabetics. So that sort of started getting us thinking as to um, should we buy, should we start looking because his 40th birthday was fast approaching. And in the end, uh, we managed to sneak it in by six months of purchasing this place. So we'd probably been looking for about 18 months, probably six months seriously by the time we came across this place. And um, I know that you looked at a few around Gippsland. What drew you to this particular farm? The reliability, probably more so. It was actually, we've only really seriously looked at two places, um, one being this one and one in Lee and Gatha South. The one in Lee and Gatha South was a little bit smaller property um, and it also had, I call it invisible water. It was relying on bore water more than anything else and I hate not being able to see a water source to keep an eye on what was going on. And it was also fairly landlocked in terms of um, the farming families that owned the land around it. So it was gonna be hard if we did want to expand or lease properties nearby to do that. Uh, whereas up here, uh, much bigger property being initially 365 acres. So it was sort of gonna match up more to the number of cows we already owned um, that fit better into the system. So we sort of lent a little bit more towards this one in terms of it's got water on, it's all dam fed, um, spring fed dams. So we can actually see the water and keep an eye on levels and quality and that sort of thing as well. So it was just reliability of rainfall as well. Not too wet, the other one was very flat. Um, where we were farming at Shady Creek, hill country, this is very similar hill country, red, red soils for the, the most of it as well. So it was very similar to where we were already farming. So it gave us confidence that we wouldn't have to change much in our farming system to move here. And it was a good price. Price is everything at the time. That's important, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so you purchase a farm and you've made that decision somewhere along the line to pay it off, um, we're saying within that 10 years, but you said earlier, as quickly as, as possible. Um, you did it in eight years. How, how did you do that? Um, like, no. Um... <laughs> I, I guess in the end, our whole system relies on being low cost of production. So in a good year, good milk price, there's a high margin. In a bad year, there's still a margin. And I think the key is we don't ever go backwards. Yeah. So every year we've made some progresses to getting it paid off. Yeah. So you've managed to improve the farm along the way as well. So it's not like you've been taking everything that you've pulled in and and paid off that loan, you've actually thought about how much you want to pay off the loan each year and also done improvements on farm? Yeah, um, we've got, there are figures floating around. We've thrown probably a quarter of a million or more at infrastructure on the place over the years, as well as just, and that's on top of annual fertiliser and everything else and keeping everything else up to scratch. But there's probably a quarter of a million in going, going into actual infrastructure to improve the property. So when you made the decision to purchase a farm, and this is a farm you decided to purchase, can you tell me how much that farm cost and how much it cost you guys to actually move here and get get set up? Because aside from the purchase price, there's also all those costs with, associated with moving here and making sure the infrastructure is ready to go. Yep. Um, the purchase price was... 2.12 million or 2.125. 
2.12 in our million straight up, which we needed somewhere a bit north of 1.6 million as a deposit, as to borrow 1.6 million, so the rest of it had to be cash on hand, in effect. But the point, Tommy borrowed everything else we had was paid off at that point too. Um, and then yeah, the Tommy trucking stamp duty for it, which was over 100 grand and whatever else is. And we and first weekend we put store gates in the dairy as well because we we used to them and the bikes they sort of works with our system better. We think it makes the cow flow better and all that. So in the end, it was probably 2.3, 2.3 2 plus million to actually buy in first way, first Did week. The interesting part was that um, we tapped ourselves out with the bank as much as possible. So when we needed to put the stall gates in, um, being small jerseys in a shed was sort of open slather. Uh, Murray Goldman actually said, come to us and we'll help. We'll lend you that money um, and take it back out of the milk check over time to put those in because the bank wasn't going to let us have any more money, basically. So we used our milk company at the time to help fund that improvement, uh, which helped a lot as well. And in terms of uh, moving here, we had a lot of help from uh, one of the contractors that we used to do our silage when we're up at Shady Creek. You know, moving machinery can always be expensive and trying to get from one farm to another. And they were fantastic. And they said, if, if you're going to continue to use us as contractors when you move to your new farm, we'll help move all your equipment free of charge. So they loaded up the tractors, the silage wagon, everything like that, and um, bought it across for us, which made a big difference. Like, all counts in the end. It's a huge saving. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Um, so you would have, I guess you would have paid back that um, money to MG first, obviously, and in a fairly short period of time, looking yep. at the way that they that was, that was do the finance. Three or four months, that was, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then, so you, then you know you've got this much debt. Did you just go, right, well, we want to pay it off in 10 years. This is how much principal we need to pay down each year, or was it was it that calculated? No, definitely not. It was it was what we had spare at the time. So we knew what our interest repayments were, and they were actually quite high to start with. Um, so we had the bank managers turning up regularly to see how we are going in the first six months at least. Um, they dropped by to make sure we were still happy campers. Um, but then it was really what we had spare left over. So we'd, we'd put money the interest payments got paid off straight away and then anything that we needed for everyday operations got used and anything separate then just got ploughed into the principal. And it's just great seeing the money that you put into the principal, the big effect that it has on how much interest you owe down the track. So it really dropped the interest repayments that we had to pay back within a couple of years so that by the time the uh, Murray-Goulburn price crash happened, as we were supplying Murray-Goulburn, um, our interest repayments were a lot lower, were probably close to nearly half of what they had been when we first moved onto the farm. And that made a huge difference in terms of cash flow for us on the property because we didn't have to pay principal down, but we had to pay interest repayments. So by having them at a much lower rate, we had a lot, of, a lot more free cash as such um, compared to people who possibly hadn't reduced their debt load as much. Some of, some of the loan was fixed in, uh, principal interest, so that had to be paid off in a short period of time because the bank weren't comfortable where, where we were sitting at the start. So that got taken care of, I think, in 18 months, I think. Pretty quickly. Yeah, it was a uh, stock mortgage. So yep. our stock mortgage had to be, you're right, stock mortgage had to be principal and interest all had to be paid off because stock value can change so rapidly. They wanted that one cleared quick, mm. but the rest of the components of the loan we could just pay interest only if we needed to. Okay. So I'm guessing that probably um, during that price downturn with MG that there would have been a bit of a slow up in paying that principal down. 
how how much um, how how quickly do you think you could have paid down that debt if that hadn't happened? Like, do you think it might have knocked another twelve months off the amount of time? If you put that milk price we got that year back into an average average milk price, there's probably two hundred thousand dollars in that. That's probably you know twelve months or so out of the repayment schedule. And do you think um, being a focus farmer had um, any influence or effect on your decision to pay down quickly? And do you think you got um, support from that support group? Were they there to bounce um, ideas off on how you were going to pay that down? Well, that's an interesting one. I think um, it was good for keeping us on track in particular because we had to put our financials up every month to the group to see how we were tracking. I don't think it as such um, really made us pay it down any quicker, but once we'd vocalised that we wanted to pay down the farm in 10 years, it's then you've got a point to prove. So it really, it does focus you a little bit to a degree um, of trying to see that if you can do that without sacrificing in other areas, basically. So I guess, yes, it did, that we did have a point to prove once we'd vocalised it, but it was really good in terms of being in a new area as such. And although it was very similar to where we'd come from in terms of um, topography and soil types, it was great having some local people around to talk through the different seasons as well. So they were very good, um, they'd challenge you in terms of what are you doing with these pastures? You, know, you might've stuffed up a paddock um, over a wet winter with dry cows and you know, you're gonna re-sow that, you're gonna put a fodder crop in. We've never used fodder crops previously, but um, that was the first time under the Focus Farm Group, they suggested we should put a fodder crop in to fix up a paddock we've mucked up. Um, so we thought, all right, we'll have a go. And so we've used, we used chicory that year uh, over the summer period. It was one of our really dry summers and it made a big difference in the, the grazing system. And it was fascinating how many grazings we could get off it. So it was good to have people sort of challenging your thinking. Whether we made, we probably didn't make very many changes throughout the two years that were focus farmers. Um, but the fact that we had to keep justifying our decisions was really good because it made you think about your decisions all the time. Um, and and where you're actually going with those, because we're not big planners for the future ourselves, we tend to sort of bumble along quite a bit, but they always want to know what's coming next, what are you going to do in, this, in six months' time? And So it, it did make us think a little bit in terms of what we're planning on doing and where was cash coming from to, to pay for different things that we're planning on doing. Awesome. Um, so I know also, Bruce, you had some health issues um, in the last little while. Um, which meant that you spent a, a little bit of time in hospital and Fiona had to run the farm. She's going, yay. <laughs> did, that, did that have any impact on, on paying that debt down? Probably in the end made very little difference because um, there's no employed labour and Fiona could take it on because it was in order and there wasn't any lot of huge amount of tractor work going on. So it was basically just milking and there was no feed on the ground. So that was dry season was really good. The neighbour came across and fed the cows for us the whole time we were in there, which which would have been a problem otherwise, because Fiona doesn't drive tractors much, or at all. But yeah, otherwise, no, it basically just ticked along as per normal. If I'd have been home, it would have been very little done differently, if anything. It was just... It was a very dry autumn, so in the end, um, one of the easiest ways to cope with having a limited feed and trying to rely as little as possible on the neighbour for feeding out... Um, I just started drying cows off early. So, you know, people sometimes worry about seasons that 
you know, if you're drying cows off, you're losing milk income, but I'm not having to feed them. So we weren't, didn't have to buy in as much grain as we often do because we were actually feeding less through the bale. So once I dried them off, they were in very good condition when they got dried off. So I could tip them onto one of the, um, a couple of the rough paddocks and they basically looked after themselves in terms of condition until we got home. So the margins were still pretty similar because, all right, we had less milk income, but we were having less feed going into them as such. So it made very little impact in the end to the overall uh, dollars that we had in the pocket at the end of the day. So it didn't really slow down the repayment of the farm, luckily. But I, th I think that's just because we've got sort of flexibility in the system that it's a, a very simple system to run in terms of being pasture-based. Yeah, we're not afraid to let production drop in the cows. So um, you guys run a, a pretty simple system here, which um, gives you a, a low cost of production, but it also means that um, you don't employ a lot of labour. You do pretty much everything yourselves. Does the, being that simple help when things like Bruce being ill, um, something like that comes along? Yeah, definitely. Like it, it just means that whether it's myself or whether um, we had to employ someone at the time, it's a very simple system to pick up. So really the cows are bought in in the morning, they fed a little bit of grain in the bale while they're being milked, then they're out on pasture all day. Then they get bought in, milked, out on pasture all night kind of thing. So um, the most complex thing is, and I guess the thing that I missed while he was away, missed doing, um, was putting urea on. So we use a lot of urea in the system to boost the grass production and, and really keep it ticking along. So that was one of the only things I didn't do. Otherwise, it's being so simple, it just means anyone can pretty much come in and run the system without being um, getting confused or changing, making drastic changes that the cows take a while to recover from. Um, I just found it quite easy just to keep the farm ticking along while he wasn't here. Yeah. So we should probably just add that Bruce is fine now and oh, we don't foresee any... <laughs> Health issues very, very in the very near future. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm guessing that the fact that the it is a simple system and you do have that low um, cost of production that they're key drivers of profitability on on this farm. You did mention the fairly high use of urea there, Fiona, just just now. Uh, what else would you consider a key driver of profitability in your system? I think the biggest key driver is the lack of employed labour. Um, yeah, there is no paid labour bill at all for the end of the year. So if things get tough, basically the show just runs it. We just turn everything off, pretty much there's no real bills coming. We don't need a lot of milk production to pay off the grain bill, which is then a real cost for the year, a uh, cost at that time of the year. Um, and yeah, the whole show can just tick along. doesn't need to make a lot of money because we don't have a lot of bills to be paid each month. The other big driver, um, we do put our figures into the Farm Monitor project through uh, the Agriculture Victoria, who uses a dairy-based pro um, program these days. So we can look back at our cost of production over time as well, which is really handy. So you can then match it up to the different seasons. So it was interesting. I looked at it recently uh, and, and looked at the changes in our cost of production over time to see which years we had slightly higher ones, which years we had lower ones, and, and why were the changes there? And the big changes tend to be the seasons make a big difference. So where we have had some very dry autumns and we had to buy in some extra feed because we didn't, we either needed a bit of uh, more grain or we actually needed some more hay that we, you know, would run out of our own feed. They were the years that the cost of production increased. So 
while we have big savings in terms of labour right across the board, we do still get those variations in cost of production and, and the biggest variation tends to be season and if we need to buy feed in or not. Yeah, and a bad season will cost us a dollar a kilo of milk solids. Extra. Extra, yeah. on top of our average. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, having, to, having achieved the goal of paying off the farm, in such a relatively short period of time, has that had any negative implications on yourselves as um, human beings or on the business? Um, I guess if you ask one or the other of us, you'll get different <laughs> answers. Bruce, Bruce's parents are both dairy farmers. His mother passed away a couple of years ago, but uh, she was of the thought that you don't need to take holidays and she just loves her farm and she never wants to go off it kind of thing. Um, so Bruce has decided to inherit that trait and tried to make it even worse. So he hates taking holidays. The, probably the last time, the good thing about share farming was we always had time off with share farming. So uh, the people we share farm for said always, you have to take at least a week off. So we always had a holiday. So in the eight years that we've been here, just coming into our ninth carving about to start, we haven't had a holiday away together. Now he probably thinks that's fantastic that he hasn't had to get off farm, but. Um, I don't enjoy that side of it quite so much. So as much as I like farm life, I'd prefer that we actually had more time together. But overall, no. Like we, I don't think it's had any great impact. Like Bruce has got his own health issues in that he's a type one diabetic, which probably impacts that when he does get sick, he tends to get a bit crooker than most people. So they talk about man flu and his is probably genuine. Um, that it can impact that and then his uh, issues with his um, when he ended up in hospital with heart valve replacement everything in theory is good now but none of that's really related to working on the farm seven days a week none of that's really brought about by being tired or anything like that so um, yeah I don't think it's had any great issues in that regards apart from you know work-life balance the good thing is I from my perspective is I actually do work off farm um, so I've got a a job four days a week off farm that gets me away from the property. So I do get time away and sometimes I'm away overnight as well. So he calls them his holidays. We get time apart from each other. <laughs> so we're not now each other's pockets 24 hours a day, seven days a week kind of thing. So it, I think that probably also at times has its benefits as well. Yeah, so outside interests um, make a big difference. Um, since we've moved here, he hasn't, he's had to give up sports basically, but you know, as you get old, and you start breaking down anyway, you tend to have to give up those sorts of things. So he doesn't play his tennis or badminton anymore, so um, doesn't tend to get out quite as much, but he's got a discussion group that he goes to in South Gippie to hang out. I call it play school for the boys. They get to hang out together once a month usually, um, have good chats and, and socialise that way. And, and social media is fantastic as well in terms of keeping in touch. Twitter in particular, there's a couple of little groups side groups on Twitter that you can sort of sit there and have almost farm discussion groups with as well that share that sort of similar information that we're talking about today. So yeah, we've had the, the, the focus farm through Dairy Australia as part of that. And we've almost got these little focus farm groups on social media, which are really handy as well. So you haven't got anything to add to that, Bruce? <laughs> Game. <laughs> so you've, sh you've shown that wealth creation is achievable in dairy farming. We do often hear a lot about the negativities of dairy farming and how people can't make money but you've proved that you can and that you can pay down debt in a significant way what's next for you guys it's it's an unknown question almost in the end we've 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 sort of slightly discussed buying another farm putting share farmers on it there's options of 
there's not really a lot of option for us to make any bigger here unless someone one of the neighbors does decide to sell but they're all fairly fixed at the moment so that doesn't seem to be a massive option it might happen in the future discussions about um, putting in the new dairy the uh, the one that we've got at the moment is pretty much getting to the end of its life so put a new dairy in which might if we have to sell down the track kind of thing or put a share farmer on makes it more attractive for someone to come if the infrastructure's looking good um, pretty much everything else on the farm is pretty good. It's just the, the dairy's coming to the end of its life. So, yeah, whether we, we truth is we'll probably end up doing that first and then um, pay that off and then possibly look at yeah, buying a, another property, putting a share farmer on or something along those lines. Just really depends what comes around the, ne the next corner kind of thing. But... Or, or maybe we go to investing off um, into other stuff just to hedge the bets a bit. Look, who knows? We... At the moment, we haven't got any cash to spare to play with, so, yeah. And we're not big planners. That's probably an interesting one. Like, we, we don't plan too far ahead. It's sort of we trip and fall and stumble and seem to make our way through in the end. Um, so it's, yeah, it's come what may. So we, we might be looking around. We always keep our eye on the real estate. And uh, so if something attractive does pop up, you know, there's always the option we might buy something and give someone else a, a bit of a start in the industry or... Or we might not. Just really depends what's around the next corner. There's a lot of negativity in the dairy industry around farm ownership and people not being able to get in at that level anymore. You guys have managed to do that. Do you think that there needs to be um, more focus on stories like yours to push to get that story out there that to say that we, you can start, you know, you can start off on farm as a an employee and you can move into share farming and you can move into ownership if you're prepared to put the work in. Definitely, yeah, and absolutely, yes. it's about not having to rush through it because we've come across quite a few young people who who just want to get in straight away and, and don't see that there's a stepping stone. So Bruce did, um, be, he was a farm manager for about 18 months before we went share farming and then we did that for seven or eight years. And uh, as he said, we, we bought increased cow numbers and we bought some machinery so that by the time we're ready to buy a farm, um, we had a lot of that already, so we're not having to start from scratch. It was the land that we were looking for and to pay off. Um, so there are stepping stones there that you can go through. Particularly dairy is fantastic that other industries don't have those options of going from employee or management through to share farming, through to owning your own place. So long as you're not in too much of a rush, you can still do it while you're still fairly young. We haven't hit 50 yet and we've paid the farm off and we've taken those steps. So. There's, there's definitely a lot of scope. I know land prices have um, dramatically skyrocketed in the last you know, six odd months, but there's milk prices somewhat kept up with those land prices. We've got fantastic milk prices at the moment. Who knows where milk price and land price is going in the future. They both could dip down or they both could keep going up, but there's fantastic opportunities out there for, for people to get in for sure. And if you look at how our financials of progress it was slow at the start we weren't doing we weren't making a lot of progress the first three or four years we were just sort of getting on top of the debt we started with which is basically just the cows and and learning the system a bit but once we got going it's gone up pretty quick and the, and the money just jumping that obviously was going from the share farming to the buying once we owned the farm we didn't have to give the owner half the money as such it's a very crude way of looking at it but in effect that's what happens once we've made the step Things grew quick, but it's slow at the start. You don't see anything, but you're getting very far. You're putting all the money you're making back into cows or machinery. But once you sort of get through that step, it tends to go fairly quick. So are you guys really proud of this achievement? 
I th- I personally I think it's a huge achievement and I just um, I couldn't imagine trying to, to do it and so it's a big congratulations to you but do you think that you've achieved something great? Definitely. Yeah, to look at to look at sort of 1.6 1.7 million dollars of debt and think oh god we set ourselves a target for 10 years and you think how are we ever going to do that? But as Bruce said it's like even once we start owning the land it's just it ticks along slowly at first and once you start getting that debt just start to pay down and those interest repayments drop it really starts snowballing it's like this big snowball effect and suddenly you're making more and more money and that debt's getting lower and lower and you can sort of see the end of it and it's um yeah you feel a little bit cocky sort of saying yeah no no we sort of paid it off but it's yeah it's, it's fantastic to look back and just sort of look out the window and go we actually own all this the bank doesn't own it like this is ours and uh, no one can really take it away from us now. Like it's, yeah, you can't help but be a little bit proud of, of what you achieve. Like we've had knockers over the years on uh, social media in particular, thinking that maybe we're running down the farm as, as we're doing it because we talk about low cost of production, but we've invested a lot of money in the farm and we can see those changes as well as having paid that debt off. And yeah, no, I'm really proud of what we've done. It's just, it's just one story that's out there. I've talked to a few other farmers recently who are achieving some fantastic things out there that they may not have paid all their debt off, but they're building their business and they're going about it in different ways. But when we're talking about how to make business decisions and how they think about how they invest their money, it was very similar to the way we think about it. Like you don't always think about how much is this going to cost? You look at the cost and think, what is that payback period going to be? So will it pay for itself? And once you work out it can pay for itself, whether it's a tractor or a farm or, or anything that you're trying to invest in, um, and you can see that way forward, all you should do is go for it, basically. Yeah. But there's so many good stories out there, and I think more of them should be told, just to show people there's so many different ways of going about it. Well, congratulations, guys. Cheers. And um, thanks for joining me for the podcast. Cheers. Thanks to Bruce, Fiona and Donna for that uplifting conversation. I'm not sure we'll be seeing Bruce at the travel agents in the near future, but I do hope they can stop and smell the roses at some point, because what they've achieved is really a mighty effort. You might have heard Fiona mention that they use DairyBase and the Dairy Farm Monitor report as part of their ongoing business management. These are both great tools and can be accessed at dairyaustralia.com.au or through your local regional office. Another program worth checking out from DA is Our Farmer Plan, which helps identify long-term goals, improve business performance and manage volatility. Details of our farm or plan can also be found on the Dairy Australia website or again through your regional extension officers. The new online farm fitness checklist is a great place to start. Hit the registration button on the our farm or plan webpage and get started. Well that's it for this episode. You can find other Dairy Pod episodes as always on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or subscribe wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Thanks for listening and until next time bye for now.